Good morning, Pats Nation. This is the Patriots Beat Podcast. I'm your host, DJ Mees. And I'm here, Mr. Mike Nice. This is the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Radio Network. How you doing this morning, DJ Mees? I'm good, man. I'm excited to be back here with you and talking Patriots, man. What's, what's better than talking Patriots? I don't know, man. You know, as of right now, when this show comes around, that's all I have on my mind, everything regarding the Patriots. And, yes, it's the off season, and, you know, the spring, the summer's progressing, but there's always some Patriots news to talk about, NFL news, whatever the case may be. Definitely. Um, a lot of news has been coming out lately through um, the Patriots side. You know, we have Brady, of course, the four-game four suspension that is looming. He's going to appeal it. We're going to find out next week, you know, what's what's really going to happen with Brady's move. I know he just added another lawyer that used to be an attorney for George Bush onto his team. So uh, Brady's not playing no games. <laughs> <laughs> no games at all, man. We're going to see what unfolds with Brady. You know, there's also a lot of things going on with, with Danny Amendola restructuring his contract, uh, Julian Edelman getting an, another surgery on his foot. So a lot of stuff going on. You know, the draft recently took place a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're definitely going to touch on all of that on today's episode of the Patriots Beat podcast. But uh, to start the show off, we recently got a chance to catch up with Jimmy Toscano, where you can find his work with CSNNE.com and Metro Boston. And, you know, we just got his thoughts on everything regarding the Patriots up until this point. So we're going to get right into that interview. And now we are now here with Jimmy Toscano. You have seen him in Metro Boston, also in CSNNE.com. What's going on, Jimmy? How you doing this morning? What's up, Mikey? Mike, what's good? <laughs> Not bad at all, man. Good to talk to you. Thank you for joining us this morning on the Patriot B broadcast. No, man, thanks for having me. I, uh... I like this show. I listened to it in the past, and I'll tell you what, it's exciting times to be a Patriots fan. It has been for, what, 15 years now, but it's not getting any more boring, I'll tell you that. It's always an exciting time when you're a Patriots fan or when you're living in the Boston area, I'll tell you that. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I would say this is one of the more quiet off-seasons we've, we've had in a while, but even a quiet off-season in New England, it feels like there's always, you know, there's always more going on than, than a quiet off-season in other places. Speaking of quiet, um, a player that has been making some noise lately in the um, Patriots offseason is Danny Amendola. As we all know, um, he, he, yes. constructed, he reconstructed his contract, and now we kind of know why. You know, I, news just came out that he's he just went through surgery with his ankles, and you think that has something to do with um, why he reconstructed his contract so much? Because there's one thing to cut your contract, but it was a, he lost a lot of money doing in doing so. Yeah, so I think I think that's got to be part of it, right? I mean, before the news came out that he did have some surgery on his knee and on his ankle, you know, he went on the radio and he said how much he loves playing in New England, loves playing for the Patriots and Kraft, and he loves playing with Brady, uh, and all the fans, everything about New England. I mean, he only has positive things to say, so when he said those things, you kind of felt like, wow, this guy really does you know, want to win, yeah. and, you know, that's a huge reason why he, you know, took that pay cut to stay here because, I mean, everybody kind of had a feeling that, you know, with the money he was making, I think it was some kind of contract hit of, you know, north of six, that there was just no way the Pats were going to keep him at that price. And the later and later it went on into the off season, you're thinking, well, wait a second, why haven't they, you know, and he was popping up in these, you know, these funny videos with Amendola, I mean, with Edelman. You know, he was kind of like, you know, sticking around some of the some of the some of the teammates in the team. So you're kind of thinking, well, wait a second, maybe maybe he is going to stick around. Maybe they aren't touching his contract after all. And then the news hit. You know, he took that huge contract hit, and I was just thinking, like, wow, that's that's a lot of money to leave because he took because he restructured last year. This is a guy who's 30 years old. Um, you got to think that you know his last big contract is behind him, and it was here in New England. And, you know, to take those pay cuts seems like, you know, you might be leaving a lot of money on the table. Well, it makes a little bit more sense now because when you have that surgery, you know, the knee and the ankle, all of a sudden, you know, you can't even work out for other teams, right? I mean, teams aren't going to want to bring, can't bring you in and work you out if you're recovering from two surgeries. So they don't know what they're getting into right off the bat. They're going to probably wait until, you know, the season's, you know, they might even wait until the season starts before they bring a guy on like that. And by then, you've got, you know, you've got your, your rosters pretty much filled out. So if you're Amendola, you're looking at less money 
you're looking at a lot less money than you're making right now anyways. So maybe one thing that he was thinking was, well, you know, I can get cut and go somewhere else and probably end up signing a one-year deal for similar money, or I can stay here, a place I know, a quarterback I like, and a team that's really good, make that same amount of money, and then we'll we'll talk about next year, next year. So I do think the injury had some sin, and I think the Patriots, they obviously had, you know, a lot of power in the situation, right, because they said, hey, you know, here's here's the deal. Like, you're coming off an injury. Teams aren't going to be, you know, beating down the door to, to work you out. I mean, he does have injury history. He is one of those uh, wide receivers that, you know, he is susceptible to more hits because of his style of play, you know, how tough he is out there. And in the special teams, that's another aspect that um, can make you prone to injuries. So there was a lot of things working in the Patriots' way that allowed them to maybe have the power in the situation to get him uh, to get his contract down the way it was. I think it was a great move by, you know, the Patriots for sure, because I think Amendola is, you know, a very, very, you know, good player for them. I think they need a guy like him because we know Edelman has trouble staying on the field, you know, with his reckless style of play. And those two guys, you know, they, they just work with Brady well. You know, Brady's not one of those long ball, you know, spread the field you know, quarterbacks. He's, you know, the dinking dunk, the, the system the system guys that, that, you know, he really trusts. And I think it took Amendola a couple seasons, but I think he's become, you know, one of Brady's, you know, more trusted players out there. So I think it was a good move for both sides. Yeah, I definitely agree. In a way, it's like the Patriots pretty much put Danny Amendola in a corner. When they signed um, Chris Hogan, Nate Washington, guys for less money, they pretty much told Amendola, like, hey, man, this this is what we're doing here. You're either going to take this pay cut or we, we can replace you easily. And, um... Danny Amendola is smart for him, too, because he wants to win. And this pretty much, him reconstructing his contract, in, in my eyes, pretty much guarantees him a spot on the on the team. Oh, yeah, I think for sure. I think the one thing I'm going to be looking for is, you know, what can he do in OTAs, you know, if anything? What can he do in training camp, if anything? Will they put him on the, you know, the PUP list to start the year? which would knock him out for the first six weeks of the season. I mean, those are, those are obviously looking ahead, but you, really don't, you don't know how serious uh, the surgery was for sure. You don't know how long the recovery is. So those are things, you know, that could, that could, that could be a setback because we know Brady likes to get out there with his guys, you know, early, early into the off season and in and, and training camp. And he wants to be on the same page uh, come week one. Now that's a whole other story, whether Brady's even going to be out there, but whoever it might be, you know, you got you want to be on the same page with these guys. So if Amendola misses the first six weeks and Chris Hogan steps into that role and and you know does you know a commendable job or, or a job that the Patriots think he can do, then who knows what happens? But I think Amendola has definitely done enough uh, over the past yeah, years here well. to earn that spot in the roster. And now that he's making less, you know that roster spot becomes a little, even more safe because he's not costing them as much money just doing, you know, maybe not doing as much on the roster as he did in past seasons. Yeah, you brought up a, um, a great point how Brady likes to be out there with his guys, especially during OTAs. But another question mark is also Julian Edelman. We know he just had his second surgery as well in his foot. So how does that throw things off? Because he's not a guarantee to be ready right away as well. Yeah, so the Edelman thing, in terms of just being on the same page as Brady, I'm not really worried about that as much because those two guys just have a certain type of chemistry where they just know what what they're thinking out there. I mean, I don't think Edelman is really going to skip a beat, you know, on the mental side of things or just knowing where to be and, and what. I mean, he's pretty hard on himself, so I'm sure once he does get out there and he drops a pass or, he, or they don't connect on something, I'm sure he'll take it pretty hard. But I think those two, Brady and Edelman, they just have some kind of connection where, I mean, you guys see it, you know, Brady will look at him 15 times a game yeah. and it's just like another, just another day at the office. Yeah. My one concern with, with Edelman is, and I don't know anything about the details of the injury, but if he did have um, a little bit of, a little procedure on the foot, foot injuries just, they scare me a little bit because those things, they always tend to linger. And when you're a guy like Edelman and you're, and you make your career off, you know, cutting and really yeah, putting true. a lot of, a lot of pressure on that foot and just playing football in general. I mean, you're getting, yeah, sure. You're wrapped up and you've got protection, you know, on there, but it's stepped on, you know, you get tackled, you, your foot twists a certain way. I mean, with his style of play, foot injuries to me are, are just one of those really lingering, annoying injuries. So I really hope 
that, that it's done with. I hope that the surgery did what it needed to do and that he can just go out there and, and play healthy. And I, I, I don't have any reason to believe that he won't be out there to start the year, but you just don't want to hear anything about a, about a setback in practice or anything like that. But hopefully, yeah, so ho- hopefully they've got that under under control and, and reg- whoever's throwing them the ball at week one, <laughs> hopefully they're on the same page. True, true. So I want to change gears a little bit. And, I mean, we, we talked about – you talked about Brady's connection with Amendola and Edelman. But we both know, the three of us know, that there's a possibility that it won't be Tom Brady out there on the field to start the season. Now, don't say that. <laughs> we never know. You know, we don't know how the appeal of Brady's going to try to, you know, uh, try to delay the suspension. We don't know how it's going to shake out. But if it does go the way where Brady cannot suit up for the Patriots mm-hmm. to start the season, two guys that are going to be holding down the fort will be uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett backing him up. And who knows if the Patriots, mm-hmm. you know, bring in another guy just to have a, another option there, maybe a veteran quarterback. Who knows? But, you know, we've gotten different people's opinions on what they feel about Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, possibly stepping into the leader, the leadership role, um, being the starting quarterback. What do you think uh, we might see from Jimmy Garoppolo moving forward as he possibly prepares throughout the offseason as the starting quarterback the first four games of the season? Yeah, so that's going to be, I mean, that's going to be awesome to see just how that whole thing unfolds because you've got Brady who's obviously trying to, you know, work out this legal thing and find a way onto the field in week one. And then you've got, you know, some of the experts saying, well, it's more real now than it ever has appeared. You know, he could, he could, you know, there's a good chance he could actually miss the first four weeks. So what happens? Okay, well, Jimmy Garoppolo is your guy that you drafted in the second round a few, year, few years ago. And you have every reason to believe that the, that the Patriots believe in him. He's had, you know, he's been Brady's, He's been following Brady around, you know, on and off the field, you know, or on the sidelines for a couple of seasons now. So you got to think that he's picked his brain enough and he knows the offense well enough where he should be able to step in and not be Tom Brady, but be a guy who's got talent and got the smarts to run an offense that he's, you know, he should know, you know, from front to back by now. I'm interested in see. I think, you know, if you, if you want to look on the bright side, you say, well, hey, if Brady does miss for four games, you finally get a chance to see what Garoppolo is made of, whereas maybe if Brady doesn't miss any games, you never you never would have saw that here in New England. <clears throat> and maybe you trade him for, you know, less than maybe he'll end up being worse if you if you trade him to a team and then he starts and all of a sudden, wow, who's here's this guy who he could play this whole time, but he just could never get away from from Brady. Well, now he goes out there and he brings the Patriots to three and one, and I think that's I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility because yeah. I, mean, I know they played the Cardinals week one, but then you got so you got the Bills in there, that's winnable. If you get the Dolphins, that's winnable. And I think it's I think it's Dolphins, Texans, Bills, two, three, and four. So all those are winnable games. Um, I'm interested to see how he does. I mean, I know there's some people who are super high on him, and there's some people who, you know, don't see what all the hype is all about. So I mean, there's only one way to find out, right? You got to throw him out there preseason. You can only see so much. So I want to see him under pressure. I want to see him, you know, playing against NFL talent, like for 60 minutes, not just. Uh, you know, a few snaps here and there or a quarter here and there. So uh, I'm interested in seeing that. I don't think we'll see Brissett if we do. Something went terribly wrong. (laughs) So hopefully we don't, we don't see too much of him. I mean, preseason is one thing, but hopefully we don't see too too much of him or any of him in uh, in the regular season. Um, But I think the one thing real quick I just want to say is that, you know, we were talking about Amadola being healthy and Edelman being healthy. If you're going to put Garoppolo out there, you hopefully can bring put out your weapons for him. You know what I mean? Because if, if Edelman, if Edelman's if, you know not fully returned and, and Amadola's on the on the PUP list, all of a sudden you you throw out this guy who, you know, he needs those weapons to you know to maybe bail him out here and there, and they're not there. So it could be a bad look in that in that stance. But if you're getting your guys back healthy, I think Garoppolo should be able to do just enough to uh, get by. Yeah, I definitely think if you give, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo the full arsenal, whether it be Bennett, Gronk, um, Amendola, Edelman out there, it makes his job very easy on the field. But one thing about backup quarterbacks that we've seen come through New England, whether it be uh, Ryan Mallett or uh, uh, Brian Hoyer, 
around the league, they are willing to give any Patriots backup quarterbacks chances. You know, guys like Hoyer and Mallett, they sat behind Brady for seasons and seasons. And Matt Castle, they sat, I mean, he had that one season where he got a chance to start. But they sat behind Brady. Do you feel like, you know, regardless of what happens this season, whether, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo gets a chance to go out there and show his stuff or, you know, Brady somehow delays the suspension and gets on the field week one, do you feel like, you know, teams are already or the Patriots are ready to, you know, start, you know, picking up some phone calls, making some phone calls about, you know, what teams want or willing to give up for Jimmy Garoppolo. You think that Patriots are going to start doing that now? That's a good question. It's tough to say right now. I mean, I think one thing before they start doing that, they want to watch Brissett, right? They want to see him uh, in, in training camp and see what he's made of and maybe even want to see him a little bit in the preseason and say, okay, well, can we trade Garoppolo? You know, do we do we think Brissett can be a backup here? You know, can we trade Garoppolo? Because if they really feel like they're going to have Brady for the next, you know, three seasons, then obviously the Garoppolo situation gets complicated because do you resign the guy? And you know, maybe you maybe you do resign him and you and you think you can get him for a good price and you say, hey, job is yours in two years. Or maybe Brady says something like along those lines: if you stay here. I don't know what that would be. I don't know if that's what his agent would want him to do or what. Um, will teams be interested in Garoppolo? I think absolutely. I mean, if you look at the NFL draft this year, you see what teams were giving up to move up uh, to the first and second pick to draft quarterbacks that, I mean, I don't, I don't want to speak for you guys, but to me they were relatively, you know, underwhelming. You know, I, I didn't see any, you know, future Hall of Famers, at least as of right now. I mean, you have Goff and, and Wentz. Uh, one of those guys wasn't even really playing – you know, legit D1 football. So, and I know Garoppolo had some sketchy uh, opponents in, in college as well, but for teams to be giving up all those assets to move up for quarterbacks that are largely unproven, I think that just tells you how much teams do value quarterbacks. So, and if Garoppolo was in the draft this year, I mean, does he go one number one overall maybe? I awesome. mean, he could, right? So, yeah, so I think if the if the demand is there, New England's going to have no choice but to at least. I mean, they'll they'll obviously pick up the phone and they'll say and they'll gauge the market and if they can get, you know, whatever it may be for picks in return, then they'll definitely do it because that would be a good investment if they can definitely flip Garoppolo for a first rounder. Then they you know they moved up an entire round just drafting the guy, just drafting the guy and stashing him behind Brady. When you do that, though, now it's like okay, well. We got Brady. He's getting older. He's still serviceable. He's still playing really well. But in a few years, Garoppolo could be, you know, the next big thing. And we're looking at maybe a guy in Brissett who doesn't have that high of a ceiling. So that's definitely a complicated situation for them over there. Um, but I do think they will absolutely uh, at least entertain, you know, opposing te- you know teams that are calling them and saying, hey, you know, what do you want for what do you want for Garoppolo? You know, what do you think about this? So. That's why I think him playing some games this year is so important because you get to you get an idea of of what he can do, and I think he would play well. And it, all he has to do is play well. If he plays well, and and I don't mean like tear up the tear up the first four games, but if he gets into a three three one record or even a two and two record and plays fairly well and limits the you know interceptions, throws a few TDs, like teams are gonna eat that up. So um, I think that would be good for for both the Patriots and Garoppolo if 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 those, that's the best case scenario, I think. I agree with you um, 100, Jimmy. If This is a quarterback-driven league, pretty much. And for a quarterback-driven league, there's probably, in my opinion, eight good quarterbacks. And NFL, <laughs> NFL keeps, is still looking for quarterbacks. And Jimmy gives us two and two, three and one. The phones will definitely be ringing in New England. And yeah. New England will definitely be you know, making those calls as well. Because they're always looking to, you know, rack up on draft picks, as we know. And speaking, speaking right. on that, I w- if the Patriots do go two and two or three, and- let's say they go two and two, I myself would not be worried. I mean, we all remember what happened in 2014 when we struggled and we went two and two, and we ended up winning the Super Bowl. I don't think that it will be that much big of a deal. Brady comes if Brady is suspended, comes back on four, but. I want to know who do you think is the biggest threat in the AFC East for the Patriots? In our opinion, I know Mike Mike thinks as well thinks that the New York Jets would be the next best team in the um, AFC East. Who, who do you think? 
Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think um, I think it's the Jets as well. I think it's just something about the Jets where even though they might not have the best roster or the best team out there, like they always give the Patriots. They usually give the Patriots a good a good you know run for their money. You know those games are usually tough. They're low scoring. They're you know they're hard. You know they're hard hitting. You know you always gotta you always gotta watch for the Jets. It's the it's just New York. It's uh it's just and 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 roster aside, I think they actually do have a decent roster this year. So Matt Forte, they got this off season. Absolutely, I mean Matt Forte. They've got you know they've got receivers. They've got better receivers than than the Patriots do. I mean when you talk about Brandon Marshall, uh, you know Decker. I mean these are these are not these are not just your run of the mill. Yeah, you know, they ain't chopped liver. Players, players. No, absolutely not. Now, quarterback situation was interesting. Um, and obviously, it's the Jets. They always do something stupid at some point in the season to ruin to ruin whatever they got going on. Um, you got to think that the Jets are always gonna are always gonna be there to sort of bother the Patriots. They're kind of like the little brother. It, it seems like at this point, you just kind of like deal with them, and sometimes they may get the best of you, but for the most part, you, you control the situation. Um, I think it's the Jets. I mean, obviously, the Dolphins. Um, you know, they they're they're hit or miss. Um, with their quarterback Tandy Hill, I mean, I know they added some, they add some decent players here and there, um, but I think it's Patriots and then everybody else. Even if Brady does miss the first four games, I would be shocked if they didn't win the division. I mean, that's just that's not me trying to be, you know, funny or like some <laughs> yeah. Patriots honk or something. But I just think that they're they're just a better team, you know, from the players to the coaching staff to everything else. I mean, they just consistently put out, you know, the best product in that division. Um, the Jets, and I think the AFC East definitely got better. I mean, that's that's good for the division because there was a point where there was a, just a joke of a division, and there was no sense in even really even looking at the teams below them. I think those games, you know, their their Patriots have to get up for them. They got to definitely do their homework and do their, you know, get a good week of practice in because everyone's coming. You know, everyone comes for the Patriots. Everybody brings their best against them, and that's why some of these games against the Jets have been so hard because. In past years, when Rex Ryan was there, he probably devoted you know an entire month to trying to beat the Patriots. Now it didn't didn't work most of the time for him, but he still gave him run for their money a lot. And and even though he's up in and, and now that he's up in Buffalo, you gotta expect the same up there from them. So teams are coming after the Patriots. That's no that's no breaking news. But I do think the Jets probably are the biggest threat. I do like their head coach Bowles, and uh, I think they'll put together a solid season. I wouldn't be shocked if they snuck into the playoffs. Um, you know, they, they they made a little run last year until they killed off, but uh, I think they got a solid foundation up there, or down there, I should say. And now that you're speaking, it just, it just really hit me that there's not many teams in the AFC in general that can really threaten the New England Patriots. I mean, when I, I think of the Jets, I think of Steelers, Broncos, I really don't know how their season's going to be now this year with the whole quarterback situation, and they did lose some guys, so... I, I really just see Steelers and Jets really being there in the playoffs, really making a threat. Um, I don't trust the Colts whatsoever. I don't know if that's, that's just me. I just I don't trust the Ravens. Ravens is not even going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but before we let you go, Jimmy, I just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Kevin Falk, a longtime Patriots running back who will be uh, selected to the Patriots Hall of Fame this year. I just want to get your thoughts looking back on his career. You know, he kind of set the tone as that 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 guy catching the ball out of the backfield from Brady, you know, picking up some yards, whether they do draw plays or whatever the case may be. I just want to get your thoughts on his career for the Patriots. Yeah, so Kevin Fogg, I started covering the Patriots, um, and he was still on the team. And he was a cool dude, especially, you know, in the locker room. He was a nice guy. He would always, you know, chop it up with, with the media, joke around. And it seemed like he had everybody's respect, you know, on the team. Like, he was, he was a leader on that team, you know, he played 13 years uh, in New England and, and obviously won three Super Bowls and was a huge part of those Super Bowls. You know, just a just an uh, you know amazing part of that special teams unit over the years. Obviously, a trusted player in the backfield, um, and I think at, yeah, and he's got I think he's got 12,000. He's got over 12,000 all-purpose yards. I think 12,300 something like that. So and that's that's a that's an all-time lead. Um, I think I, I do think that maybe Patriots fans 
I don't want to take anything away from Falk. I think he's a great player. Patriots fans might overvalue him a little bit compared to some other Patriots greats. Like, if it was me and I was voting, uh, I would probably vote for Vrabel. Yeah, for true. Falk. And I, I know Falk made, I know Falk, Falk beat out Vrabel. And, uh, you know, when he, uh, when he announced that draft pick, uh, uh, when he announced the, the draft pick in the Brady jersey, that may have put him over the top that for the uh, Hall of Fame voting. True. But uh, he definitely deserves he definitely deserves a Hall of Fame, uh, Patriots Hall of Fame nod. Um, I think he's just one of those guys that when you think about the Patriots dynasty, uh, he's got to be one of those guys that just comes to mind. So, you know, congrats to him. And I, I think the Patriots fans, you know, they get, it's funny. I, I was telling somebody, I was like, the, the Patriots might need to start thinking about putting multiple guys in the Hall of Fame you know, instead of just doing one a year, because True. because I mean, who's gonna who's gonna say anything if Vrabel makes it with Falk or next year when you know every year there's more and more Patriots that are eligible, so there's gonna be guys that deserve to make it who just get passed, you know, they get passed up, and and you don't want some guys to keep getting passed up because there's just so been so many great Patriots over the last decade or so that it's tough to just vote one in every year and you guys are going to end up being left off for multiple years that maybe deserve to make it, you know, a lot sooner. So I wonder if that's the direction that the team goes in where they, maybe they, they double it and they say, Hey, we're going to allow, we're going to allow fans to vote in the top two because there's just so, there's going to eventually be so many options, so many deserving candidates that you don't, you know, you don't want a guy to have to wait 10 years to get in. Exactly. True, true. Especially from this Brady-Belichick era, as the years go on, right. there's going to be so many candidates moving forward. But, Jimmy, we want to thank sure. you for joining us this morning on the Patriot Beat podcast. Uh, for those who want to look for you, your work or find your social media work, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Jimmy, under, Jimmy underscore Toscano. So uh, that's probably the, the best way to contact me. Uh, I'll, I'll be posting all, all my links on there and everything. So that would be a great... Uh, Great way to communicate. I'm usually pretty active on there, so you can also shoot me a tweet, and we'll uh, talk talk whatever you uh, talk whatever sports you guys want to talk about. Definitely, man. We look forward to having you again. Thank you for joining us at the Patriots Beat Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, man. And right. uh, let's do it again sometime. All right, Jimmy. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. All right, bro. Talk to you. Thanks a lot. All right, take it easy. Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and they try to sneak in huge fees at the checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone and I used it just the other day to look at tickets for the Red Sox Indians game. SeatGeek has taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. They pull all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you can save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming events, and SeatGeek will, ne- will always let you know if the ticket's prices fall. Listeners of CLNS Radio get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get the $20 rebate on tickets, first you got to download the free SeatGeek app. Go to Settings tab and click Add a Promo. Enter the promo code CELTICSBEAT, all one word, no space. That's C-E-L-T-I-C-S-B-E-A-T, no space. And then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. What a deal. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code CELTICSBEAT today. Once again, we want to thank Jimmy Toscano for joining us this morning on the Patriots Beat podcast. Uh, just to piggyback off of what he talked about here at the end with in terms of Kevin Falk and just what he meant to the Patriots over the years, I really think that Kevin Falk opened up a doorway uh, to this that style of play where we see, you know, running backs, you know, in terms of what the Patriots want to do with their offense. You know, they're not really into uh, giving a, a running back, you know, 25-plus carries and having him just bull, bulldoze his way through, through the line and whatnot. But, you know, the Patriots have gone a route over the last couple of years of, of having running backs who are great pass catchers, you know, coming out of the backfield, they're good at draw plays and whatnot. And I really feel like Kevin Falk kind of set the tone in uh, them going in that direction. Um, you know, earlier, earlier years for the Patriots, you saw guys, guys like, you know, 
uh, Lawrence Maroney kind of before Kevin, during Kevin Falk's time, who was kind of they tried to use as a main guy, uh, Corey Dillon. But recently, you know, going in that route, you know, guys have come through like Danny and I mean, not Danny Amendola. <laughs> Deion De- Lewis. Deion Lewis. Uh, Danny Woodhead. That's what I meant to say. Uh, but yeah, I really think Kevin Falk, you know, set the tone for those kind of guys, and he had very, he was very successful in what he did for the Patriots. And not only for the Patriots, um, a lot of teams started seeing what Kevin Falk was as a third down running back. You know, that catching up the um, in the backfield type running back, and a lot of NFL teams really tried to emulate that as well into their teams. I know Saints are one of the teams that also like to have a third down running back, someone who's out there to, you know, catch passes like when they had um Kyrie Robinson or they're trying to use with uh CJ Spiller. Just having two running backs that, you know, offset each other that starts that balance. As you said, Danny Woodhead was great for us. And then we made sure we had a Vereen. And then we found out we have um Dion Lewis who played both you know, inside the trenches and could catch outside in the backfield. So just having that balance, really, it's all to Kevin Falk, who really helped us out in 13 years that he played for the Patriots. I, one thing, a memory, a negative memory I have with Kevin Falk that I can never forget was that fourth and, fourth and two yep. with uh, against the Colts. I believe what was it, 2006? I don't even remember, but Belichick... You know, went went for in fourth and two. Brady threw the ball to Kevin Falk. Kevin Falk ran the route a little short and got pounded, and we did not make it to the playoffs, um, to the Super Bowl. I mean, that year, and that's a memory I can never. I don't know why, Mike. I can never get that off my fourth head. Fourth and two. Fourth and two. That always go down as fourth and two. That's one play that definitely sticks out. But aside from that play, I would definitely say that uh, Kevin Falk had a very successful year. Three rings. You know, he was really, at at times, for a lot of seasons, he was Tom Brady's right-hand man. I mean, before the, the Gronkowskis, before the the Edelmans. Uh, you know, a lot of guys have come and gone through the offense, but Kevin Falk was definitely, I would say, Brady's right-hand man for a lot of seasons. But just to kind of continue going down that route of, you know, running backs, you know, being able to be pass catchers coming out of the backfield or, or going through the trenches, whatever the case may be. One guy who was recently spotted um, – in New England, uh, at Logan Airport, I think, or somewhere in Boston, was a high-profile running back for the last couple of years in the NFL. You know, he's had some injuries, but when he's healthy, he's been a force to be reckoned with. And that guy is Arian Foster. His presence in Boston has created a lot of stir. Uh, a lot of people saying they saw him. You know, I, I saw a couple of pictures with him, I think, at Logan Airport or something. But a lot of people are wondering why. Why is Arian Foster in town? What could that possibly mean? Are the Patriots uh, looking at him as another option to add to their running back corps or what, whatever the case may be? Now, according to Mike Reese, uh, ESPN New England Patriots reporter, uh, I don't think that uh, Arian Foster met with the team or anything like that. He didn't have a trip to Gillette Stadium to meet the Patriots or whatever the case may be. But for him to leave, I don't even know where Arian Foster is from or where he lives now. I'm assuming he's probably somewhere in the in the Houston area because, I mean, that's where he spent his whole career, the majority of his career. Uh, for him to come from there or wherever to come to Boston, it uh, gets people's eyebrows raised a little bit for sure. Definitely, It definitely gets you thinking, and um, I'm not here to stir anything, but I know the Patriots did just drop um, Joey Usofa, another running back, fullback from – from um, the Patriots team, so they're making room for something. I, I don't know who, but why not bring him in? Why not bring Arian Foster in to training camp, OTA, see see where his conditioning is at, see where his mentality is at right now. The guy is very, very injury prone. As talented as he is, he gets hurt a lot. He just suffered what um, Achilles, torn Achilles, yeah, torn Achilles injury. That if you guys know, that's one of the most devastating in- injuries you can get in the NFL or any sports in general. So we need to know where his head is at. But definitely, if you can add an Arian Foster to the team, especially when there's a lot of question marks with Dion Lewis, Legarrette Blunt, and their health, you you don't want to start your season off with a Donald Brown or James White or Brandon Bolden. So why not you know add on to that running back depth where you know. Aaron Foster can come in. He won't be your every down back. 
and hopefully stay healthy. And he's never won a ring. I don't even know if he's ever won a playoff game. So coming to the Patriots, we can guarantee you playoffs and a win. Yeah, I mean, everything DJ Me said is, is correct. I mean, fully healthy on this roster, if you were able to sign or uh, bring in Arian Foster, uh, he's he's the he's the best running back talent wise on the on the team. Uh, I I put him over a healthy Deion Lewis. I put him over a healthy Legarrette Blunt. I take Arian Foster all day every day. But it's just the injury question. You know, the last couple of seasons he's always had some kind of injury. You know, last season, like DJ Meesev was a torn Achilles. Uh, seasons before that, whatever the case may be, he's had some kind of injury. But from personally knowing, from using that guy on my fantasy teams over the last couple of seasons, <laughs> when Arian Foster is fully healthy, he's a force to be reckoned with. So, you know, it just remains to be seen what the Patriots want to do in terms of possibly bringing him into training camp and, and to see where he's at uh, physically. I'm quite shocked, though. We are, you know, towards the end of May, and Arian Foster doesn't have a team. I haven't heard of him visiting any teams. Any teams even looking at him his way. You know, you have older backs like Matt Forte who have already got signed from, like, day one. And you, Arian Foster is still out there with, with no teams. No, His name hasn't even been brought up till this past couple of days because he was parted in Boston. So it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird why teams haven't even looked at him. Yeah, very true. I mean, the guy turns 30 in August. And, I mean, maybe it's just because teams see – the injuries that he deals with every single year in some kind of way, shape, or form. Aaron Foster, I don't think, has played a full season and has gone a season without some kind of injury. And probably the torn Achilles is the, wor the worst injury to date for him. So they just see a very a 30-year-old injury-prone back. I mean, you mentioned Matt Forte. At his age, he hasn't dealt with many injuries uh, throughout his career, and he's been very productive all the way up to last season. He's still been solid. I mean, I'm sure he'll... He'll bring that production over to the New York Jets. But, I mean, definitely I agree that Aaron Foster's name not being, you know, brought up in any kind of rumors, you know, being linked to any team has been been kind of weird. But, I mean, I'd open him. I'd welcome him with open arms if the, if I wake up one morning and see um, that the New England Patriots have signed uh, Aaron Foster to the roster. Moving forward, I want to touch base on the recent news in the video game world where we'll see Rob Gronkowski on the cover of NFL Madden 2017. Oh, yeah, man. I'm a big Madden guy, and it's about damn time we have a Patriots player on the Madden cover. How the hell has Tom Brady not been on the cover? This guy has won four Super Bowls. Three-time Super Bowl MVP, two-time NFL MVP. You're telling me he has not been on the cover of Madden? He's been on some cover, GQ magazine. No, uh, <laughs> Madden. I'm talking Madden. <laughs> I hear you, man. It's kind of mind-boggling that after all these years and all these accolades that Tom Brady has, he's never been on the cover of, of the most popular football video game out right now, but... Rob Gronkowski gets gets the nod. You know, not only is he the first NFL, I mean, uh, New England Patriots to be on the cover of the video game, but he's also the first tight end to be on the cover of the video game. What does that say, DJ Mees, about just the popularity? You know, Rob Gronkowski, as the years go on since he's come, stepped on the scene in the NFL, his popularity has continued to rise. Not only are people taking notice of his play on the field. But off the field, he's just dipping his hands in so many different things. And now, you know, video game cover, Madden, you know, Rob Gronkowski is really shooting, shooting high right now. What do you have to say about him? So, earlier in the Patriots B podcast, not today, but one of our earlier shows, we spoke on, you know, Rob Gronkowski and his party bus and how... Well, it was perceived on SportsCenter, and we were saying how if it was any other player, like this would be looked at as negatively. And then throughout the off seasons, we just see Rob having the greatest time of his life in the red carpet. His family had like an E60 profile. This guy's a tight end, one of the most like unpopular positions in the NFL. No one really cares about a tight end until really Rob Gronkowski show, you know. Re reinvent. I'm not going to say reinvented the position, but really 
took it to another level. And I know this is a quarterback-driven league, and, you know, quarterbacks are the face of the teams. And when you think of teams, the first player you think of is their quarterback or maybe their running back sometimes if they have, like, a Ladanius Tomlinson or Adrian Peterson. But this might be weird to say, Mike, and I might be crazy. So don't criticize me, but Rob Gronkowski as a tight end might be the most popular player in the NFL right now. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Most popular player, not on, I mean, clearly, probably, he's still probably battling Brady as the most popular Patriot. But you're talking about through the NFL in general. Rob Gronkowski, number one league-wide. Manning's gone, right? Manning, we could all say for the past 10 years, Manning was the guy of the NFL. Manning's no longer, Patriots didn't win. No Super Bowl this year, but I've heard the page has been talked about a lot with Rob Gronkowski. This guy, this guy is on GQ. You know what GQ is, Mike? You know what GQ is? <laughs> the, the guy, the guy's on GQ, butt naked, bucket naked, with girls hanging on his shoulders. GQ is supposed to be dressed up with ties and suits, not Rob Gronkowski. The man is taking over. I mean, just in general. Like, just listening to you talk for a split second, I forgot the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl. Because all, you know, since the season's ended, the Super Bowl, I'd say the Patriots, out of all the teams in the NFL, you know, you know, other than, you know, the Rams whatnot relocating and what's going on over there. But the Patriots, between Rob Gronkowski, his party boat, the magazine covers, the Madden cover, Tom Brady, his whole legal process, the Patriots are, are top of the list when it comes to, you know, NFL team coverage and I mean I think I kind of have to agree with you I mean people always talk about Tom Brady I think when it comes to Tom Brady people see you know his excellence on the field and everything he does in, in preparation you know just being the one of the greatest if not the greatest quarterback in the league but off the field I think that's where Rob Gronkowski kind of grabs the attention of everybody across the world across the nation whatever you want to say because not only is Rob Gronkowski you know getting the job done on the football field and playing at a high level and can probably go down at the end of his career is one of the greatest tight ends to ever do it. Now, you know, he's he's out in the public, you know, magazine covers. People see him partying. People see him doing different things. You know, I think it's the fact that, you know, Rob Gronkowski is getting it. It's only a matter of time before he hosts, like, Saturday Night Live or something. Like, all that stuff is going to be coming down the line for him soon, you know, making a lot of different appearances here and there. I think that's why I could probably agree with you and say that, you know, Rob Gronkowski, at some at some levels, have has passed, is is on the verge of passing Tom Brady. Is really being not only the most popular uh, New England Patriot, but being the most popular player probably in the NFL for sure. And now, this is unfam- unfamiliar territories for our generation, having a player in Boston or New England really be the face of their respective um, organization. I mean. Sure, we've had Tom Brady, but with Tom Brady, there was a Peyton Manning that always overshadowed him with the commercials, with the popularity and everything. Sure, we had Paul Pierce, but with Paul Pierce, there was always guys like Kobe, Allen Iverson that were more marketable, more popular, won more rings. We had um Dave, we had David Ortiz in our generation, but there was always guys like um, A Rod, Derek Jeter, Albert Pujols that were more marketable, more. More the face of, you know, of the MLB at that moment. So is this the first time in our generation? Because I'm not gonna say in the past we ha- we've had Larry Bird who was the face of the NBA before. Still Magic Johnson. But they they split it fifty fifty with Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. So is this the first time in our generation where we had of a guy that's really the face of the organization that's on the Boston's team? I think so. I mean, like you just said, between, you know, David Ortiz had his years, but you still have to look at the Derek Jeters of the world in MLB. Uh, in terms of the, the Boston Celtics, I guess there was those years. I mean, the, the big three, whether it be Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, and um, Kevin McHale, and then a new big three with Paul Pierce, uh, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen. You know, they had their time and whatnot, but we're just talking like as a solo athlete. And I mean, like I said, Tom Brady 
has been up there, you know, like you, like you said, you know, Peyton Manning has always been the guy back and forth, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, whatever you want. But I really think that uh, through everything that Rob Kronkowski is doing off the field, you know, to go along with his on-the-field success, you know, breaking records, doing things that people at the tight end position has never seen before, I think Rob Gronkowski is really stepping up. Because, I mean, like I said earlier, Tom Brady, you know, yes, he has his little commercials and a couple Saturday Night Lives. And, I mean, the little things that he does, a couple magazine covers and endorsements that he has. But I think that Rob Gronkowski is doing that and because all of that as well. And the fact that he's still a young, you know, mid-20s guy, he's doing all the little partying and having a good time going out. He's connecting with people all across you know, the different demographics. He's connected with everybody because people see his success on the football field. The younger kids and, 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 and adults, younger adults, see him, you know, partying, having a good time. And he's also handling business, you know, doing these magazine covers. He's, he's connecting with everybody. And I think just with, with him doing that is putting him, him on a level that, you know, us in New England, fans in New England, Patriots fans probably have never really seen before, for sure. It's, it's definitely... Um, an enjoyable time to be a New England fan right now, having Rob Gronkowski do that. And we can't get mad because, like you said, he produces on the field. But the big question mark this year is how is he going to produce in these first four games? Is he going to have his quarterback, Tom Brady, or is he going to have a Jimmy Garoppolo or even a Jacoby Brissett to um, throw him the football. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Like we said earlier, while we had Jimmy Toscano on, uh, the weapons that the, the Patriots have in terms of having Gronkowski, uh, Bennett, uh, hopefully a healthy Amendola, hopefully a healthy Edelman, and Deion Lewis, LeGarrette Blunt, those weapons within the Patriots system uh, should make the lives of Jimmy Garoppolo or Jacoby Brissett, if he gets to that, it should make their lives easier. I feel like the system that Belichick, McDaniels has, it just works. And, you know, we've seen over the years, they can literally just plug any type of player, you know, pick off some play, random player from the YMCA or something and plug him into the system, and he'll be successful. Who really knew about a Deion Lewis before he came uh, to the Patriots? Look, keep looking back. Who really knew about a, a Wes Welker before he came to the Patriots? Amendola, you know, he had a couple successful years with the St. Louis Rams, but who knew that he kind of be a somewhat second coming of Julian Edelman to some aspects, you know, doing exactly what Julian Edelman kind of does on the field. Who knew these guys would be able to be so successful in uh, their different positions? And I feel like uh, one thing with with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, yes, he's not Tom Brady, but I feel like in terms of what the quarterback position is in today's NFL, a guy who could not only you know make the passes but scramble out of the out of the backfield if necessary. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, even Jacoby Brissett too, kind of fall into the new type of NFL quarterback. With that being said, that's not to take anything away from you know Tom Brady probably being you know the last the last of a generation now that Peyton Manning is gone. If you look across the league at the different quarterbacks, there's no real guys who really stand in the pocket will kill you. I mean, you have some dual threat guys like maybe a uh, Carson Palmer or Aaron Rodgers, who can definitely kind of, you know, stand in the pocket and kill you, or um, or kind of get out and pick up a couple yards. But when it comes to standing in the pocket and being a surgeon, that's Tom Brady for sure. But when we get a chance to see possibly uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo get a chance to to play, you know, I feel like like I said, with the weapons and the system that the Patriots have, it'll make their lives, whether it be Garoppolo or Jacoby Brissett will make their lives easier for sure. I mean, Tom Brady definitely is the last of a dying breed when it comes to just position, passer, stay in the pocket type of guy. And But we've seen ever since, you know, um, that game when the Kansas City Chiefs gave us a butt-whooping. Ever since that game, we've seen a different Tom Brady. You know, he's moving around the pocket. He's... He's moving up and down. He looks good. He looks agile. And in the last three years, Brady's honestly just gotten better. In the last three years, his passer rating went from 87.3 to 97.4 to 102.2. Touchdowns went from 25 to 33 to 36. And his interceptions went down from 11 to 9 to 7. Crazy. I mean, 
the guy the guy's a surgeon we don't know when father time is going to smack him but so far we haven't seen anything and when it comes to jimmy garoppolo i don't think he needs to do too much with the defense that we've got and i think is getting a lot better i think jimmy garoppolo just has to do enough one to two touchdowns limit limit the interceptions you know limit the turnovers and we can still win games, I believe, with the offense and the defense that we got. And you got two guys, Martellus Bennett and Gronkowski, who's throwing in the red zone. I think he will be just okay. Yeah, I mean, right next to, to Bennett and Gronk, um, like we said, hopefully with a fully healthy Deion Lewis and um, LeGarrette Blunt. Those are two guys that, you know, if we get that LeGarrette, I mean, um, Deion Lewis, who was playing out of the backfield at the beginning of the last season, everything that Deion Lewis was doing prior to his injury. If we can get that same player and put him next to Jimmy Garoppolo, if he is the starting quarterback for those four, first four games, like I said, Jimmy Garoppolo's life is going to be so much easier. You know, things are going to come easy to him for the most part. And I just think, you know, Belichick and Josh McDaniels will do everything in their power to make life easy and as comfortable as possible for Jimmy Garoppolo if he is the starting quarterback this season. Yeah, I mean, my predictions for this, for Jimmy Garoppolo, if he is going to be our starting quarterback, once again, guys, this is all all an if. We will find out sooner enough who will be our starting quarterback. But if Jimmy or Jacoby is our, no, just Jimmy. Like, <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't need Jacoby um, being the Patriots starter right now. But so if Garoppolo is our starting quarterback, I honestly see us going three and one. We we might you know lose that first game against Cardinals just because it's the first game. That's a really tough opponent in Arizona in itself. So you know that gives Jimmy Garoppolo a good test. But we probably lose that game. Then we win the next three. Three and one. Brady comes back. We go thirteen and three. Good position into the playoffs, and uh, we'll see what happens. From there. And I tell you, man, if you guys thought last year that Tom Brady was on some kind of revenge tour coming back to tear up the league, if the suspension, you know, holds up and Brady misses that the first four games of this season, just imagine what kind of quarterback we might see after week four. Oh, yeah. Pats Nation, get your seatbelts ready because this is about to be a crazy, crazy, crazy ride. That's going to do it today for the Patriots Beat Podcast. If you want to help support the show, please give us a subscription, rating, or review on iTunes or Stitcher. Today's show was presented to you by SeatGeek Ticketing App. Once again, use the promotion code CELTICSBEAT for a $20 rebate when you download the SeatGeek mobile app. It's a great deal and helps support the show. First of all, I want to give a huge shout out to everyone who listened this morning and for the rest of the week. I want to give a special thank you to our guest, Jimmy Toscano, where you can find his work with CSNNE or Metro Boston. Uh, for CLSN radio executive producer, Larry H. Russell, the founder of the network, Nick Glesso, my co-host, Marvin, a.k.a. DJ Mees. This has been the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by the CLNS Radio Network.